This is the Ordinary Christian Podcast, a podcast dedicated to real people like you seeking to live out your Christian faith in the ordinary aspects of everyday life. My name is Craig Thompson, and I'm your host for this podcast. I'm a husband, father, pastor, and writer. I hope that this podcast will help you to use the margins of your everyday life to live more intentionally for Jesus. Hello and welcome to episode 74 of the Ordinary Christian Podcast. Today, on this episode of the podcast, I have my friend and co-worker, Ginger Chestnut. Uh, Ginger is here to talk with us uh, about some lies young women believe, along with a few other things. She's also here, honestly, by request. I've had some uh, young girls in particular that thought she'd be an excellent uh, resource to help us think through some things that uh, that young ladies uh, wrestle with in their life. Um, Ginger is a mom and wife and a variety of other things. So Ginger, thank you so much for being with me today, even at protest. Um, but uh, do take a minute and tell us a little bit about you. So you have a husband, you have some children. Tell us who they are. Yes. Well, thank you for having me. I love our students very much, and I appreciate their confidence in me to be able to come on and share some things. Um, I do have a husband, Brian, and we have two girls, Brenna and Courtney. They are both grown and have graduated college, gotten married, and moved off and are living lives, being productive citizens. Productive citizens, loving Jesus. Loving Jesus in the church. Mm-hmm. So you don't love the fact that they moved away? No, I'm very, very proud of them. But you know, it's amazing the heart's capacity to be broken and full at the same time. So I miss them, but I'm so proud of them and where they are. Yeah, and, and, and part of the reason that it's good to have you here having this conversation, you're, you're not perfect. I know that. You wouldn't claim that. But as you're thinking, you, you raised two young two girls, and young women, um, but you helped them navigate some of the things that we're going to talk about now. Uh, and you, you're able to look on the other side and say, okay, these, some of these things actually worked, right? Yes, we, we, yes. we can get through this. We can do this. You know, yes, we can, we can do hard things. We can do hard <laughs> things. So um, now, look, uh, again, this is uh, geared a lot more toward girls, young ladies, uh, and women today. If you are not one of those, I don't want you to tune out. Um, if you're a guy, first of all, if you're a dad raising girls, you need to hear this, Okay. If you're a husband living with a woman, you need to hear this. And if you're a young man who thinks that at some point in your life there might actually be a young lady that would give you the time of day, you need to hear this because the last thing that we need to do as men is to feed into some of the, um, I, I guess, some of the natural insecurities that, that, that women can struggle with, especially those that are very different from maybe what a man would struggle with. Does that make sense? What do you think? Yes, absolutely. And my brain is very different from my husband's husband's brain. And I've heard it be um, described before as men are like waffles and women are like spaghetti. Um, <laughs> men can tend to compartmentalize very easily and can think through one thing at a time. For, for me, one thought leads to another thought, which leads to another thought, and I'm just a tangled mess at the end of some of those thoughts. Yeah, and so many of you listening to this would know this, but uh, a lot of you listening to this don't know this. Uh, Ginger is a coworker here, so she is um, she does communications here and sort of my personal assistant and keeps me out of lots of trouble. So um, she fully understands exactly how messed up my brain is, and she and I understand the challenge we sometimes have in communicating 
she walked in my office. You walked in here yesterday and you said, okay, I need to know everything that's in your brain. And, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and all those things exist for me in a particular kind of way. And she needed to get them all on paper so that she could begin to separate and sort through those because I have a bad habit of just walking in and just throwing it all out there. And I walk away and she's like, you just created this huge mess and left it here for everybody to deal with. But it just works fine in my head. Yeah. Our, our, <laughs> our brains are interesting places. <laughs> Scary sometimes. <laughs> scary. Real scary. All right. So um, sort of the, I guess the impetus of this conversation came about, you led a Bible study here um, that initially you, you had intended to gear really toward our teenage girls. And it was that, but you ended up actually, I think unintentionally drawing in some some women into that, into that, um, that group that were older than you anticipated. So some young 20s and even 30s and even some 40s in there, right? Absolutely, yes. And it, it really resonated with them. Yes, and a lot of the adult ladies said, I wish I had had this when I was a teenager. Yep, so um, we won't live by the book completely, but tell us what the book is that you wrestled through or led those girls through. Well, the book is called Lies Young Women Believe. There is a version for adult women as well. And then there's also a version for young children. Yeah, Angela's actually, I can't speak, Angela's actually leading Brooklyn, our youngest daughter, through the younger version of that right now. Yes, so very, very applicable to lots of different ages. Um, But Nancy Lee DeMoss Wolgamuth, she's gotten married since her original book, um, is the author with Dana Gresh. Um, but the book just goes through some really common lies that women tend to believe. They polled a lot of different students and youth for this particular book and adults for the other, just to see things that ask them general questions. What are our, our topics that we struggle with? And they took all of the information, put it together, and came up with some common struggles that women have. And I mean, the reason we're having this conversation in this particular place is because I had some young girls that came to me and said, Pastor Craig, you're doing a, a lot of helping men and young men understand what it's like to be people of consequence and character. But when are you going to do something that applies to us? Because they, they recognize that they have some particular kinds of questions that, that maybe I don't always think about. I've got two young girls living in my house and a wife, and there are still, so with three females in my house, there are still some things that take place that don't always make sense in my brain. So... As you work with those girls in that setting and and look to this, was there any one of those lies that sort of jumped out at you as as being maybe bigger, more prominent than the others? I think the lie that most of the other lies build off of is what you believe about God. Hmm. So, you know, God's word is truth. And if we hold that scripture tightly and we hold to that as our truth, um, then it helps us sort through the other things. But if we don't really know what we believe about God or if what we believe about God is not true, then it makes it a whole lot harder to sort through all of the other things that come mm-hmm. up against us in our thought lives and in our daily lives and our relationships. So that wasn't necessarily one that was bigger than the others, but it's one that I think the others all hinge from. And I, I don't know if the book deals with this, um, but... As, as especially, and I see this especially in in women, young women, older women, not just their their identity and understanding of who God, identity in Christ, understanding of who God is, but when those women have been let down by the men in their life, and especially by a father, mm-hmm. 
that when they're learning or trying to understand who God is and how you could relate to them as Heavenly Father, they're they're having to battle through a lot of hurt and pain because what what the enemy's has convinced them of is that a father is bad because the only father figure they've ever had took advantage of them or neglected them or hurt them or did something else. And as a result, even trying to grasp that reality that, that, that a father is supposed to care for you, protect you, support you, love you, and that God is that heavenly father, the only father they ever knew did none of those things. As a matter of fact, sometimes the, the father, their father was was preying on them as victim. Mm -hmm. And now we're trying to convince them that they can be comfortable in the arms of a heavenly father. And, you know, their their whole reality is based on a lie at that point. Right. Absolutely. And one of the sub points with that lie about um, is that God is just like my father. Okay. So and she he's does not. deal with that. Okay. She, yeah. yeah. He's, he's not just like any person who we know. He is so much more and so much different from anything anybody else can think, can measure up to. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. All right. So we, we, we begin as we should at the beginning, which is with God as our heavenly father, our creator. Um, and, and if we can get that figured out, then we can mm -hmm. start to sort through some of these other things. So um, that's what you see sort of theologically laying the groundwork. What are the things that maybe day to day or daily life that you see pop up in these girls' lives? Well, there's lies about um, myself. Um, you know, we speak to ourselves whether we do it out loud or not. We're constantly having dialogue in our heads. You have and a lot of dialogue in your head. I have a lot of dialogue in yeah. my head, <laughs> yes. And if I'm not careful... It, it comes out loud. <laughs> it, it can, or it, come, it comes out in the way I process things and okay. in the way I interact with things. So, um, you know, we have to be able to sort through what are what are the things that I believe about myself? What does God have to say about me? And what am I internalizing and walking away from? What am I meditating on? What am hmm. I telling myself? Hmm. And it's we have to know what is what does God word, God's word say? What's the truth about that? And it's amazing how our brains can distort things. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I, 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 it, it's just unbelievable how. I mean, we we can think about body image issues as we think about what I believe about myself. You've got this, mm -hmm. uh, whether it be a, a, a woman, a man, a, a human being. That is, you know, in perfect, perfectly fine physical condition, yet can look in the mirror and see something completely different than the rest mm -hmm. of the world sees. It makes absolutely no mm -hmm. sense, but our, our minds can convince us of those things. Oh, yeah. We zero, zero in on the one thing that, or the whatever the thing is that we feel like is inferior or not up to what we want it to be. And so when we wrestle through that, like what, <clears throat> what, 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 what can we say? So if you're, there's a young girl here that's really buying that lie about themselves, right? The, the, the lie. How do, how do we wrestle? How do we combat that? First, we have to recognize what we actually believe. And we can tell, I can tell you all the right answers to a lot of things. But the way I live out my life and the way I react to situations is going to show what I really believe deep down. So sometimes we have to analyze the way we process information or analyze our reactions to things. Um, to decide what is the lie that I am believing. So we have to look deeper than just what we say because I can speak the talk, but am I, am I really walking and living what I say I believe? So we have to figure out what is the actual lie. We have to, to drill down and, and find that. And then we um, need to identify 
how we're being held in bondage by that thing. What, what are we believing and what are we doing and how are we reacting? And then we have to replace that with truth. And so right now we're just talking about the lies that we believe or that you believe or somebody believes that are being self-reinforced. Mm-hmm. But the reality is some of these lies get reinforced by the people outside us. of mm-hmm. ourselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, so, I mean, we, we could we could take about this like <clears throat> physical image, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we're, we're seeing, unfortunately, we're seeing just the terrible reality of what these, what in, in the it's really zeroing in on teenage girls on what social media is doing to teenage girls mm-hmm. um, with the eating disorders. It seems to be their algorithms seem to be pinpointing girls and focusing on body image issues for young ladies. So we can see that aspect just as it relates to body image. Mm-hmm. And when they, when they're faced with that, we're, we're trying to remind them over and over and over again that your true beauty is not wrapped up in your physical identity, but in your relationship with Christ mm-hmm. in in your identity as a child of God, as a, as a born again believer, even just your identity as, as a person created in the image of God. Mm-hmm. So we, we have that. We have um, maybe peer pressure, mm-hmm. you know, with kid, with, with other kids that are imposing ideas about our identity but, and this is this is one that's coming up, at least for me as I'm working with teenagers a lot. This isn't in your book. I'm sorry. I'm throwing you the curveball <laughs> that you wish I hadn't. Uh, wh- what do we do when some of those lies are being perpetuated by maybe unbelieving parents at home? Hmm. I am a firm believer in God's Word, God's Spirit, and God's people. And so if you believe what Scripture says and you have a community around you, really cling tightly to those believers who can speak truth into your life, who can point you to scriptures that are truth, who can encourage you on the days when it's really hard, who can hug you with flesh and blood arms when when things aren't going the right way, when sometimes things are just intentionally going the wrong way by other people. Other people are causing those stressors in your life. So having that community to to really encourage you and, and build you up. It doesn't, it doesn't always change the situation you're in, but that perspective is a big word for me. Um, being able to look at things from other angles and being able to find support so that you can have the encouragement to withstand those storms and to withstand those hurtful things that are, are being said or um, misguided information in your life. So we'll come back to the book in a minute. Let's chase mm-hmm. this rabbit. All right. Okay. So your your kids are out of the house, mm-hmm. obviously older mm-hmm. than mine. Um, so you're in a different phase of life. Mm-hmm. But in, in this phase and even in, in the previous phases, when your girls were still at home, how open and willing were you to being that, that fill-in, that surrogate believing parent for you know, a teenage girl somewhere that maybe didn't get that kind of support at home. And I ask that because in all honesty, I, I think that there are people in our lives that desperately want those believers around them, but they feel a little bit like they're imposing if they just ask us mm. to fill in the gaps. Oh, no, I, it just, <laughs> I, I wish y'all could see how she smiled when I asked <laughs> that question. She went from, from almost crying, thinking about broken people to yeah. just lighting up as she thinks about how she can in the gaps. Yes. Well, I mean, you know, part of it is personality. Part of it is the mothering instinct in me. But, you know, I, I am a helper by nature. And when I know someone is hurting, I want to, I can't fix it. And that breaks my heart sometimes. But just 
just knowing that I can come alongside and encourage and help in some way and I have open arms and I think lots of the ladies that I know who are in my life are the same way they they welcome with open arms people who just need that extra support yeah and I mean you know for me I I know that there are just so many oh, so many kids in my life that don't have great Christian mm-hmm. you know home lives and and I I, matter of fact, I, I told a kid, uh, a couple of kids this last week. I said, "Like, I, I can't be your dad. There's not a dad in your picture, mm-hmm. and I'm not, I'm not claiming to be that. But if you ever just need that man to talk to, mm-hmm. like my my door is always open. And it, I, I think it's it's just ironic. You and I were supposed to talk last week, and uh, mm-hmm. you ran out. Uh, no, you didn't. That's not true. I'm picking on you. <laughs> the reason we didn't is because. There was a 20-something-year-old young lady that needed you, and you showed up, right? I mean, you, right. you were doing that thing that we're talking about right here. Yes. Um, yes so, uh, so we give you a pass since you were doing yes. the right thing. Um, but it, it's, it's a bit ironic that we didn't have this conversation then, but I did have a conversation with some young people and, and was able to say, you know, you're not a burden. Right. Like, I, I, I could have strangled this one kid that looked at me. That I love with mm-hmm. all of my heart, and it's like, mm-hmm. I just feel like I'm a burden if I come and and do this. I'm like, no, like of all the things on planet Earth, mm-hmm. please, mm-hmm. you know, come eat my food at my house, come use my air conditioning, and take up the bandwidth in my life for this. There's a mm-hmm. lot of things that we don't want to be there for. Man, these people buy the lie mm-hmm. that that they are just a burden on yes. the body of Christ. Yes, and and it's it happens in adults too. I have have adult ladies tell me all the time. We can do it too, right? I mean, yeah. We do. We do. And so, you know, let's change the conversation with our young people and encourage them and help them to realize that, you know, they may need me right now, but I may need them one day. And, you know, we are there to support and encourage one another. All right. So you talked about you you believe in, in, you said it better than me, but in the Word of God, the people of God, and the Spirit of God. Mm How would you say that? God's Word, God's Spirit, and God's people. That's yes. pretty good. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, um, I, we emphasize the word as mm-hmm. we should. Mm-hmm. Do you think that there are times when we do not emphasize the people of God and the body of Christ enough in in helping young girls in this particular instance to combat the lies that they wrestle with? I don't know if we don't emphasize it i think that just young girls and women there's a vulnerability there with bearing your emotions to other people and it's kind of like being like on a podcast for all kind of people here just exposing all of it out there right it's unnerving (laughs) but we can do hard things right Mm -hmm. (laughs) um but i think that you know we very early on in our lives we decide if we can or can't trust people with our emotions and sometimes you know that what well i'm just i'm laughing because how hard is that you just mm-hmm. said this early on in mm-hmm. life early on in and life and we recognize that a lot of the people that we're talking to right here are the people that have been hurt early mm-hmm. on in life and decided yes. early on that i can't mm-hmm. trust anybody and now there's me and yes. you that are going well actually you can mm-hmm. i mean the so mm-hmm. like so many layers we're having to try to chisel through 
Yes. To just to just love somebody well. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I mean, you know, just show show up. Yeah. If you want to invest in the lives of people, be there for them. And mm-hmm. if you feel like you're alone, you're not, show up. Keep showing up and and just be there and um, be surrounded by that community. And and I I want to make sure that I'm I'm clear here when I say, you know, we're we're chiseling through all these layers. I, I'm not saying that in a way to be um, uncompassionate. That's not a word. I'm not saying in a way to, to, to be without compassion. It's just a realization that for those of you that have been hurt, the walls that you, you're survivors and the walls that you've put up to protect yourself, mm-hmm. you've done because you needed to survive. And you got people like me and Ginger that are coming around saying, it's okay, you can let those walls down. And and y'all are like, yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Last time I did, things went really bad. Mm-hmm. Things went really bad. Mm-hmm. And so to your point, you know, part of that showing up over and over and over again is, is showing up and recognizing that we're going to stand outside the walls and not for a while. Mm-hmm. And for people that, especially people that have been hurt, mm-hmm. we're going to see little cracks and then we're going to see something come up that's going to shut us all back out again. And we've mm-hmm. got to continue to keep going and, and knocking on the door and waiting for opportunities to love people well. Yes. Yes, and the longer you are around people, the more you know their heart, and the easier it, we're all going to mess up, you know. But the easier it is to forgive when something happens, and to recognize the heart of the people that you're around, and to just be, just to be there, and to keep showing up. All right, so let's get back to some of these specific mm-hmm. things in the book, okay? So one of those is that uh, God should fix my problems. Mm-hmm. Is that true? Well, it's interesting. She talks about that. She said, we often um, believe that God's out there and he's not really involved in our lives, but then we want him to come and fix our problems. So there's like this, (laughs) these are polar opposites. You know, he's this big God and he created the universe, so he must not care. But then, okay, God, here I am. Help me, help me, fix this for me. And it's that, you know, sort of that vending machine God mentality where... We just want him to solve our problems. But he's much more concerned about our hearts and our holiness than just fixing the problem that we're in. And he does care. He hears. He sees. He knows. He puts our tears in a bottle. He wants to hear from us. Um, But he doesn't always operate on our timetable. And he doesn't always do things the way we want him to do it when we want him to. And he wants that relationship with us. About 20 years ago, um, sociologist Christian Smith labeled that that approach to God uh, moralistic therapeutic deism, mm-hmm. um, and uh, which is a big way of saying that we're looking for this this God that fits some, sort of our identity of what morality should be. We want to put him into that box. We want him to be therapeutic, and that we want him to be there when we need him to be to make us feel better. But then he's deistic, and, and deists believe exactly what you you said, mm-hmm. Ginger. There, that he's a god that sort of set the world up, wound it up, and, and exists far off. So, this idea that we need a god that fits within our moral moral box shows up when we ask him to, but the rest of the time just checks out and lets mm-hmm. me do what I'll, whatever I want. And mm-hmm. uh, Christian Smith said that that that's the. Uh, uh, the postmodern God, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so it's, it's interesting that she would play off similar things like that. Mm-hmm. What, what yeah. were you gonna... Well, she brought that out, deism. Oh, really? Okay. Mm-hmm. She Look at that. that. I should have yes. read the book. I know, right? You should. It's very good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So um, everything bad that happens is spiritual warfare. So I got 
You know, I got a speeding ticket this morning. Does that mean the devil's out to get me? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, yes. Yeah. No, no. It's, um, you know, some. she points out in here that sometimes we are our own biggest oh, yeah. spiritual foe. <laughs> yeah, the uh, guy that stares at me in the mirror is yes, my greatest enemy. We we sabotage ourselves. Our flesh sabotages ourselves. So, yeah, everything that happens that's bad in the world, there is sin in the world. The world has fallen. Yeah. And there are just some bad things that happen bad in the world. Um, and sometimes we do it to ourselves. Okay. All right. Um, she says that beautiful girls are worth more. Is that true? Mm, no, absolutely not. That is a lie that many um, people do believe. Um, but, you know, God's God's uh, value on our lives has nothing to do with what we, what we look like. Um, our view of ourselves um, needs to be what, how God created us, not what the world says. All right, so let's so let's veer away from this. Mm-hmm. Adults, adults in the lives of children, young children, mm-hmm. old children, whatever it is. How can we combat that particular lie? When we talk to people, whether it's about physical appearance, intelligence, or any of those things, we need to compliment the person, not just the thing not just the physical appearance not just the hair for that day not just how the hundred on the math test or whatever it is in our conversations we need to look at the character of the person and focus on those things so encourage um, people when they are kind to someone else Mm -hmm. encourage them when they are helpful to someone else encourage them um, when they take the time to do a job well versus rushing through it the things that are our character that build who we are on the inside focus more on those things, not, oh, your dress is really pretty today, or, oh, I love your hair, or, you know, focus Se- on the, the inside. Several years ago, I watched uh, a guy coach a baseball game, Little League Baseball, and uh, there was a kid, this was, these kids were in sixth grade, I think, and so it was a kid that had never played baseball. You can imagine a kid that's never played baseball, and the first time he plays in sixth grade, and he's playing with some kids that know how to play. And he can't play. He's mm-hmm. just, he he's just bad. Mm-hmm. He's an automatic out every time he comes to the plate. Um, he's not going to swing the bat. He, he he was terrified. He's just going to stand there and take every pitch. And um, the coach had it as his greatest desire in life for that kid to hit a pit, hit hit a ball before the season was out. But he'd stand at the plate and he'd stand just stick stiff and not swing the bat. He called timeout. He pulled him to the side, and I watched him. He said, you swing that bat. He said, uh, "He said, you swing the bat. Mm-hmm. I, I don't care. You got three pitches, you swing the bat at the next three pitches. I don't care if he throws it outside and the catcher can't reach it. You swing the bat. And the kid did. He swung the next three, the next three pitches, and he struck out. Mm-hmm. And that coach, that coach patted him on the back and celebrated him. He said, "You, thank you. You did exactly mm-hmm. what I asked you to do. And I thought, I, I, I learned I, that. I watched the coach taken out. Like he mm-hmm. knew that the kid was going to strike out. Mm-hmm. So as the coach, great job, right? He right. was willing to, to to take take that that out for the mm-hmm. sake of the kid. But then he celebrated. The kid struck out and still got patted on the back mm-hmm. and celebrated because he did what he was supposed to do. And mm-hmm. after a little while, hey, a few games later, he got him a hit finally, which was great. Yeah. But the biggest thing he was teaching was to be coachable Mm -hmm. and that actually mattered more i learned a lot watching him there was a Mm -hmm. lot of kids that we could celebrate on that team but in that particular moment that kid got more praise than anybody else Mm -hmm. and he got praised just because he did what he was supposed to do Mm -hmm. 
you know. And so, whether it's little boys or little girls, there's a lot more they have to offer than the clothes they wear or, you know, the appearance or, like you said, their hair. We we can celebrate when they work hard. Yes at something mm-hmm. or when they hold a door mm-hmm. i mean when they're little we can celebrate if they sleep all night yes yes <laughs> you know we all everybody does something good or something worth being able to be praised every day mm-hmm. look for those things look for look for something to praise people for i love personally and i know i i love this to experience it but i love to do this i like to be to, to be able to point out something where somebody has seen improvement like over 12 months mm-hmm. and <clears throat> you can't always see that but occasionally there's somebody that I can look at and say I'm so proud of you because I know where you were 12 months ago I know where you are today mm-hmm. and you can just see their face light up because they go oh, somebody mm-hmm. noticed mm-hmm. you know and adults mm-hmm. are that mm-hmm. way it thrills yes. me yes yes but that goes right back to that community mm-hmm. nobody's yeah. gonna know where you were 12 months ago if you if you aren't around people, if you're not showing up and spending time with those people. And so those opportunities are wonderful to be. And it is a mood booster and an emotional, um, positive reinforcement for all ages. It, it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's great. Mm-hmm. It's it's It really is wonderful. We all need it. We don't ever outgrow that. All right. But that, that plays into this, the, the, one of the other things you did. That I have to perform to be accepted. Mm-hmm. How, how can we, how can we help people to understand that we're loving them, not because of what they do, but because of who they are? How can we help them understand that? Well, or, or what do they need to do to, to believe it themselves? Um. I mean, because we're, we're, we're conditioned this way, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You do a good job, you get a raise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. when I was struggling through a particularly difficult time, um, you encouraged me oh, no. a number of times. Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> and no. I go back to this a lot. Oh, no. <laughs> um, n- not to let perfection be the enemy of good. And so if you know, something that is I, I heard this the other day and it, it was opposite to me you know we think that if anything worth doing is worth doing well well anything worth doing is worth doing poorly as well it can be that's right yeah, yeah. so i mean it's better to do something to do something a little bit than to just completely not do it at all we, we've begun and by we i mean angela and i have really begun to own that idea when it comes to exercise mm-hmm. i know that's yeah. sort of a weird transition yeah. but Something's always better than yeah. nothing. Five and minutes is better than none. I, mm-hmm. I like to do an hour and a half long workout. I like mm-hmm. to lift and do an hour and a half lift and get it all in. But I, I've had to, it's kind of the poorly or not at all mm-hmm. thing. There's some things that I need to do poorly so I can do other things better. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, mm-hmm. I really would have liked to have committed an hour and a half to a bench workout. But Sloan had a baseball game that I'm supposed to coach. Mm-hmm. So I could get in a short workout and then still go be the dad I needed to be yesterday. Well, the the sacrifice I needed to make was to do that that workout more poorly so that I could invest my time with with my kid mm-hmm. and with the other boys on that team yesterday. That was where I was committed to being, where I was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as as we're thinking about performing to be loved and accepted, mm-hmm. um, you know, some some sometimes we need to remind people that they don't have to do the job mm-hmm. right well and it also goes back to what you were saying about that that little boy with in the baseball game 
he was obedient to do what his coach told him to do and his coach was proud of him for that so yeah. you know making sure with our young people to to praise the process not oh, just yeah, the outcome good. you know it's not just about the whole paper that you finished it's about the little piece day by day that you did to be able to get to that part and if you're that person who is constantly comparing yourself mm -hmm. the reality is the problem is that you're comparing yourself to everybody else mm -hmm. the standard that you're working up against usually mm -hmm. is a standard of everybody else not a standard of of objectivity right, right? it's everybody else did this i mm -hmm. need to be like everybody else mm -hmm. And we don't see the inner struggles of everybody else. We don't see the, the all the mess ups. We see the end result. Yeah. You know, especially with social media, we don't see all the things that went into getting that one perfect picture, um, and how terrible everything else surrounding it was. We just see the end results, and so we need to you know focus more on the process and on in the obedience in those small things. Well, and and the process also means to focus on where you've come mm -hmm. and what you've overcome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, so if you made the honor roll last year in the 12th grade, but you did so mm -hmm. and you really wanted to make all A's, but you made the honor roll and you struggled with homelessness this, this past year, mm. like that person that made all A's, Mm -hmm. and, and was driven to school by their mom or drove to school. It's a completely different experience. I know that's, mm -hmm. that's a unique maybe scenario, but we need to sometimes compare, hey, where I am today versus where I was last month or last year yes. or 20 years ago or where I've come based on where I started out. Mm -hmm. You know, did you mm -hmm. start out life in a hole? Mm -hmm. Did you start out life without supportive parents, you mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and looking looking at what is the trajectory of our lives, you know, where are you headed? And there's going to be forwards and backwards, but where are you headed? Um, what is the general trajectory? I um, work with, I've been a teacher in my background and worked um, a lot with students with reading difficulties. And to see students who know they don't necessarily perform on standardized tests in what would be considered a normal way, but the growth that they've made and the energy they've put forth and celebrating um, where you've come from and what you have overcome. And that translates into lots of lots of different things. You know, being faithful in where you are and growing from where you are. All right. What about um, just relationships? You know, <laughs> how do we wrestle with a, a girl, and this is a woman, anybody that's finding their identity in in a boyfriend mm. or a husband. Yeah. And that's really hard because we want to have acceptance and we want to have um, to feel like there's somebody standing behind us and encouraging us. So it, it really is hard. But having having those people in our lives who do encourage us and who can point us um, toward our true value and help us to see the pitfalls in the relationships that that we have. We don't need to find our identity in anyone else. We need to be our own individual person first and allow God to fill that space in our lives to be the Lord of our lives. Um, but it's sometimes easy to get caught up in putting more time and emphasis in a person. And so having that community around us who can say, hey, you know, are you are you focused on what the Lord believes about you or are you focused on what this person is saying? That's very helpful. 
having that community. You keep talking about community. It's a big deal. It I really mean, is. It is, mm-hmm. right? So Titus talks about how older men should teach younger men and older women should teach younger women. When we're thinking about lies about relationships mm-hmm. and, you know, and really any of these things, I, I just, you keep saying community, community, community. Mm-hmm. How can we, as the community of faith, build the kind of relationships with with young ladies or young men that are significant enough that we can speak into their lives? Showing up. <laughs> I mean it's it's and, it's it's difficult but it's not hard. You just you keep you just keep showing up. You make the time. And that's been a, a different transition for you again because mm-hmm. Courtney is 24, 23. 23. 23. 23. So your youngest is 23. So mm-hmm. you're you're 5 years everybody mm-hmm. out of empty nester. Mm-hmm. There was a time in your life when showing up was just sort of natural because yes. your kids were there. Yes. Yeah. So here you are, empty nester. Mm-hmm. Right? I would imagine one of the lies Ginger could believe <laughs> is, sorry, we turned the tables. <laughs> one of the lies that Ginger could believe is you don't have anything to give mm-hmm. to a 14-year-old girl mm-hmm. anymore. Right? So h- how do you show, what, what's it look like? What? How is it different to show up today than it would have been, you know, seven or eight years ago when your girls were teenagers well when they were teenagers it, it was easy the crowd sort of came to me because you know there were always people around and they were involved in things so i was always there and it is different now but um you know it's leading a, a small group on a sunday night or um, there's several girls who i just send them messages every so often or they'll send me questions um just asking them how is your school week? How are things going? Did you have that conversation with that friend? You know, just having those conversations and being intentional to look them in the eye and to talk to them, to hug them when they need a hug, just being available. As a pastor, I've found it to be helpful when I have identified those healthy women and especially I'm, I'm a, those girls who might need an extra woman in their life. I've, I've found it beneficial to be able to try to facilitate those relationships, mm-hmm. you know, to say, hey, Ginger, that's that's Sally over there. Mm-hmm. I know you don't know her, but I think the two of y'all might have a connection. She could really benefit from just spending time around mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, vice versa, Sally, this is Ginger. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know you don't know her, but you should you should get her number. Y'all should, mm-hmm. y'all should text or y'all should spend some time together. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I just, and I'm sure there's probably scenarios for you where you've, come in contact with a lady or with a kid and thought these two could maybe hit it off, mm-hmm. right? So let's mm-hmm. let's also make sure that as we're making ourselves available that we're the kind of people that, that play matchmaker yeah. to some degree to try mm-hmm. to facilitate these relationships. Because it, it, it can be scary. Teenagers mm-hmm. can be really scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're intimidating. They are. They are. <laughs> even, even they have for, a lot going on. For adults, it's, mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so many people... Teenagers certainly don't understand this, and people that work with teenagers a lot don't always fully understand this. But we're sitting there going, "Just get involved with the kids," and they can be intimidating. They can. We don't yeah. know what they talk about. We had um, a young lady, one of one of ours, twenty four years old, at, the, at our house a few, few days ago, mm-hmm. and Wyatt and Aubrey, my two oldest. Well, actually, it wasn't just them. Our house is always full, <laughs> but so the kids are talking, and Brooks just laughing. I mean, just laughing her head off because 
at one point in time, she knew those kids better than anybody on planet Earth. And today, mm. she can't even keep up with their vocabulary. <laughs> because, mm-hmm. you know, 16-year-olds use a different vocabulary than, the, yes. than even 24-year-olds. Mm-hmm. They use a different vocabulary than the rest of the world. So just be okay with the discomfort, mm-hmm. right? Yes. But still show up anyway. Still show up anyway. And what have you discovered? So let's... What did you discover? Because to some degree, this is the first young women's Bible study you've led in a while. Mm-hmm. And that was several months back. Yes. So when you jumped in, so our student ministry here at Malvern Hill has turned over significantly mm-hmm. since you were last significantly involved. When you jumped in mm-hmm. as somebody that doesn't know a lot of the kids, and because mm-hmm. a lot of people listen don't know, but we're, our our ministry is, is pretty unique here in that, I don't know, maybe half or more of the, of the teenagers who were here were not a part of our church even three years ago. Right. And so um, it's not like Ginger's checked out for a long time. It's just like suddenly there's so many of them. I think we have something like 12 or 14 eighth grade girls. Mm-hmm. Um, when you stuck your foot in, you said, all right, I'm going to jump in here with these teenage girls. Did they just like, ah, old lady, go away? I mean, what was your experience? No, they were so impressive. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was so excited. I was nervous, so nervous about doing this. But I was so. They, by the way, a lot mm-hmm. of teenage girls listen to this, and they're gonna think it's the funniest thing in the world that you were nervous to sit down. I was. <laughs> I yeah. was very nervous. Those insecurities that young girls have do not go away when you become an adult woman. Uh, they do not go away. So there's still so, lies that ginger. There are still li- yes. I have to speak truth to myself. Okay. Yes. Um, but no, they were so impressive. They were. They were um, attentive, and they communi- They participated in the communication. They shared their thoughts and ideas. Um, I gave them permission to not share if they didn't want to, but so many of them did. They, they were engaged and so thoughtful and um, in, entering introspective into the different things that we were talking about, supportive of one another, just really encouraging. Um, they were... They were really great. So did they seem open to relationships with healthy adults? Absolutely. Absolutely. They, um, they taught, there was banter in the class with, between the students and the adults and, uh, laughter on both sides. Um, yeah, super open. Cause that's just something that I'm seeing in this generation. And I'm, I'm going to lump this generation as saying, 14, 15 to 25, mm-hmm. right? Even even lumping in like your girls. girls. Yep. Um, but this generation, they've been let down by so many people. Mm-hmm. But as a result of that, they, so many of these, and I'm going to call them kids because I'm old, so many of these kids just cling to help the adults. Mm-hmm. They desire that. And as a result of that desire, like they're, they're willing to listen, to engage, mm-hmm. just to hang out. Mm-hmm. Blows my mind. Mm-hmm. They well, come hang out at the pastor's house. We're boring. What are you doing, <laughs> you know? Well, I think all people, youth included, we want authentic people. And we're surrounded by fakeness. That's really good. Yeah. And so they want authentic people who are authentic with their relationships, with their words and yeah, I think it's very appealing for students and for adults. And we've got we've got adults, teenagers, whomever, that are looking at believers, so non-believers that are looking at Christians and saying, is their faith 
authentic. Yes. Is there actually, I got all these Mm -hmm. lies in my life that I'm wrestling through. Mm -hmm. Do these people actually have an antidote? Do they actually have Mm -hmm. an answer that they believe in? Mm -hmm. Or is this just something they say to try to satisfy the rest of the world? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, how do how do we respond to things? Where do we go when the wheels fall off of the bus? You know, go can just continuing in our faith and drawing toward the Lord and having that hope in Him. Um, and if that's where we turn every time, hmm. then it it makes a difference. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> All right. So I won't I won't put you through too much more of this. Ginger was gracious and kind to do this because she was requested uh, not by me but by others um, but I'm going to put you on the spot I didn't warn you Gosh, it's okay but you've done a good job raising girls you have you did and you know that like you, you know that you have good girls you might want to give Brian I'm credit whatever for them. Yes. they're wonderful girls they are. young ladies women um, there are moms that are listening to this right now Right, mm-hmm. maybe they're toddlers and they're not sleeping at night. Mm-hmm. Maybe their moms are teenagers, and I've, you and I've worked together twice now. I worked together with you when you had teenagers, and as an empty nester, you are much less stressed today than you were then. <laughs> so, if you've got teenagers at home, let me just tell you, having known Ginger in both of those scenarios, like, it's different. Mm-hmm. And you homeschooled your girls. I mean, you, you're with yes. them, but you know, what are the are, are there are there particular things that you would say those those moms or takeaways that you have as you look back things that you you know hey this really is a great idea or, man we really dropped the ball on that one <laughs> just be present be involved do things with them it's amazing the things that i thought they would remember you know the big grandioso <laughs> things or the things that i thought were just so terrible or whatever the big things they don't always remember those. They remember the little things. The, what do they remember? The daily things. I mean, we used to crawl up in the bed every night and read together and just spend time together. We had Friday night camp out. It was, Brian and I slept through it half the time, but it was whatever <laughs> Disney princess movie was on. And then when they got older, you know, other, we slept through it. <laughs> we were tired parents, you know. Um, but we would get takeout and, and watch a movie. We started out trying to actually camp out in the living room. That didn't last very long. We would go to the bed. Yeah, not sleeping on the floor or the couch. Um, but just being present, making memories in, in the day-to-day things and keeping perspective. One of the things I used to say a lot when something would not go right, um, you know, if that's the worst thing that happened today, we're going to be okay. You know, keeping things in perspective and not... Was there ever a time when you said that and went, oh, wow, it just got worse? I mean, just so we're all clear. I, I mean, there were some <laughs> there were some rough days. <laughs> but but usually that was in relation to a, a mistake, an uh-oh, or, yeah. you know, some failure right. on my part or, you know, something that they did or didn't do. Yeah. But, you know, if that's the worst thing that happens, we'll be all right. One of the things that uh, piece of advice you gave to Angela several years ago, because your girls are a little, you're a few years ahead of us in the parenting thing that she's hung on to, um, and uh, you know this one, so I'm not going to make you cry with this or anything. No. So you're good. She was she was gearing up again. Y'all can see I can see it in her face. She's like, oh no. But I I I think I think this is good for parents to hear, but for others. You just you talked about how there were nights when y'all just had popcorn and M and M's for 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 dinner. Mm, popcorn right? ice cream. Yes. Oh, popcorn ice cream. Yes. Is that what it was? Yes. Yeah. And why, why did you do popcorn ice cream? <laughs> well, the origination of the story was funny. I had a miserable fail of a supper dish that you know it was it was I threw it in the trash. It was terrible. <laughs> 
and it was late in the evening and I didn't have time to cook anything else and I didn't have anything quick that I could just open so we had popcorn and ice cream and so that's what we had for supper and the girls thought you were the greatest mom in the oh world. my goodness yes it was like the best night and ever. your mommy guilt was like i'm the worst mother ever yes yes but it, it sort of became a thing when we would have a crazy day or we would you know sunday afternoon we would just you know have popcorn and ice cream and I, I, you, you shared that with angela and she grabbed on to it just mm-hmm. as a reminder because angels she she cooks right mm-hmm. that's that's like she her spiritual gifts are service and she likes to feed people mm-hmm. but it was a really good reminder for her that being a good mom doesn't mm-hmm. always mean being perfect mm-hmm. right and that sometimes sometimes we can just do popcorn and ice cream yeah absolutely and if you're a mom you can have popcorn and mm-hmm. ice cream every once in a while and your mm-hmm. kids will still turn out okay mm-hmm. her kids are not obese mm-hmm. right they right. don't no. they're they're not no. they're, they didn't turn into diabetics mm-hmm. or something Mm-mm. because of that um uh, so that that's a that's a, a good mm-hmm. piece of advice for moms. Mm-hmm. But if you're not a mom, I hope that's a good piece of advice for you as well. Because I want you to hear what Ginger said. Everything went wrong. <laughs> she burned dinner <laughs> and threw bad. it in the trash. <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> but it was bad. But your whole identity didn't mm-hmm. become a failure because of right. one mistake. Right. And that goes right back right. to yes. be. I don't have to perform to be loved. Yeah. Accepted. Right. Mm-hmm. You, you don't. Brian, I know your husband. He's probably never even been mad at you in your whole married life. Um, He's a good man. <laughs> he is a good man. Um, but uh, there are other women that are just like, why couldn't my husband be like Brian? But um, but you, he didn't suddenly come home and go, wow, you're a terrible wife right. because of this. Mm-hmm. And you don't look back at that. Like, it's fun because right now you, you look back at that and go, look what came out yes. of a colossal failure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? And yep. what came out of a colossal failure was a weird little family tradition yes. that just kind of stuck. And a fun memory. And yeah. a, and a mm-hmm. fun, it wasn't fun in the moment, though. It was, was it? not fun in the moment. <laughs> like, were there t- I mean, seriously. Like, in the moment, I, I felt very defeated because it was just terrible. <laughs> the food was terrible. It was late. I failed my children, failed my family. It was terrible in the moment. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. Popcorn and ice cream became a thing. But let's let's finish right there. Yeah. Because uh, and I I'm I'm just going to speak specifically directly to young ladies and young men right now. You got a long life ahead of you. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be a lot of moments that are going to feel like absolute colossal failure. Mhm. And in that moment you're going to believe there's no way you could possibly recover from it that this this moment, this moment defines who you are. Mm. And and for moms, that like that can be. Y- y'all laugh about this if you're not a mom because you've never had that dinner that went terribly wrong and it's never crossed your mind that that is an absolute definition of your entire being. Mm. I don't remember what happened. I wasn't there. I don't know what happened that day. But let's just paint the most dreary picture possible. You know, let's just say everything had gone wrong. Right? Brian was working late. The girls had pitched fits. Schooling went mm-hmm. bad. You lost everything, you know, that you were trying to find. The computer crashed. You know, the dishwasher <laughs> wasn't working. There were and the like sink that. was backed up. I mean, <laughs> yes. I mean it's like mm-hmm. usually when you burn dinner, it's not because you were having so much fun and you ruined dinner. Right. Usually you ruined dinner because that was the one thing that you were hoping could salvage a really horrible day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that the cherry on top of 12 really bad hours is a really terrible dinner. (laughs) 
right? Yes. I mean, yes. it, mm-hmm. it's like that a it lot is. of times. It and is. it's rainy outside and cold, mm-hmm. and you can't fix anything about mm-hmm. it. Can Everything's we just go to bed now? <laughs> right? <laughs> Let it be over. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so I, I do just want to speak to, to any of you that are listening mm-hmm. to this, and the lie that you're being told to believe is that your entire life is defined by that one moment. Mm-hmm. It's not. There, there might be ice cream and, and popcorn on the other side of this moment, but even if there's not, I can promise you that the sun's going to come up tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And the only moment that you have to ever allow your life to be defined by is the moment that Jesus Christ gave his life for you on the cross. There, there's hope for anything. You've not sinned so far that Jesus won't save you. You've not messed up so much that you can't be redeemed. So if there's one lie that we'll finish with that we want to make sure that you absolutely refuse to believe. It's the lie that you have to be defined by any of your mistakes and any of your moments. Jesus Christ died to give you new moments and to give you a new life, and you can trust him with that. Ginger, you got anything you want to finish with today? Just thank you for having me, and thank you for those girls who had enough confidence to think that I could do this. <laughs> well, um, I, I appreciate it, everybody that... Uh, knows us, knows that you keep me from really messing up my whole life. So I appreciate you being willing to do it. For those of you tuned in, thank you so much. Uh, A little different having Ginger here with us, but uh, um, I'm really grateful that she's willing to do it. But thank you for being a part of this podcast. Uh, It continues to go further and wider than I would have anticipated. So help us get it out. If you know somebody that's struggling with lies, pass this along to them. Give us a good review. If you would, that helps us a lot. Uh, but beyond that, we just hope that you'll take the, the truths contained here in these conversations and apply them into the margins of your everyday life. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Ordinary Christian Podcast. I hope that you will use the information in this podcast to encourage you to love Jesus in the ordinary aspects of your daily life. Jesus surrounded himself with very ordinary people who made a difference in the world because of their Savior you can make a difference too. If you would like to read more of my writings or find other podcasts, you can find information about me on my website at www.craigthompson.org. For information about Malvern Hill Baptist Church and sermons from our church, you can go to our website at www.malvernhill.org. Until next time, use the ordinary margins of your life to make an extraordinary difference in the world around you.